Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host. I am Masa. Hi, everybody, and I'm Sean. We hope that you are cuddled up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Before we begin, we have a couple announcements. This weekend was our two-day cult webinar. We want to thank everyone who came and made it such a special event. We also want to send a thank you to our amazing guest speaker Morgan Katz and our cult staff who worked so hard to make this webinar possible. We enjoyed getting to talk with everyone and are looking forward to connecting with you all again soon. We understand that there are some people who could not make it to the webinar due to their schedule and time zone. If you would still like to enjoy the presentations, you can access the presentations on demand now until the end of April. When you purchase the video on demand option, you will get to listen to a lecture by Morgan Katz, a constructional approach to working with fearful dogs in shelters. And a lecture by Sean Will, making best friends for life. A detailed look at constructional affection. On top of these two talks, we included opening and closing for the webinar. You can watch these video unlimited times until the end of June. So, if you're interested in video on demand option, please visit our website cout.com. That is c-a-a-w-t.com, or access the link on the description below. And next is the biggest announcement of the year. We are excited to announce our second annual Cout Conference. This international five-day conference will feature two amazing keynote speakers: Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz and Dr. TV Jolene. So please visit our website cout.com for more information on the second annual Cout Conference. In today's episode, we are very excited to welcome Carol Novello. Before we jump into the interview, here is a little background on Carol and her work. Carol is the founder of Mutual Rescue. A national initiative that highlights the life-changing power of human-animal relationships. The initiative's first short film, Eric and Petey, went viral around the world with over 100 million views, and was named the number one video news story in California by the New York Times in 2016. She is currently expanding the initiative into a new national nonprofit brand to collaborate with local animal shelters and rescue groups and their communities across the country. And bring new funding into the sector through corporate sponsorships. Her first book, *Mutual Rescue: How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too*, was published in April 2019, with international versions of the book released in Germany and Italy in 2020. *Mutual Rescue* was created during the nearly decade-long tenure that Carol served as president of Humane Society Silicon Valley, from 2010 to 2020. She also served one year on their board of directors prior to that role. Through her leadership, HSSV became the first model shelter, the first organization in the nation to meet all guidelines set forth by the Association of Shelter Veterinarians. 
Her work at HSSV also resulted in significant increases in the rescue organization's adoption numbers, save rates, and the number of animals receiving extended care. In 2016, she was one of nine animal welfare leaders across the country to receive the first Maddie Hero Award, created by Maddie's Fund, for recognizing innovation and leadership in the sector. She is also currently serving as a member of the Board of Directors at Cuddly Incorporated, a for-profit company that has created a fundraising and wishlist platform focused on animal welfare sector. Prior to entering the field of animal rescue, Carol was a senior executive at Intuit, where she held numerous positions, including president of Master Builder Software, vice president general manager of QuickBooks Online, and vice president of marketing for QuickBooks and small business services. Carol earned her MBA from Harvard Business School and her BA in English and Economics from Dickinson College. Now here is our interview with Carol Novello. Please enjoy. Hi, Carol Novello. Thank you so much for coming to our show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, Masan Chan. It's yay, exciting. Yay. Thank you. It's our honor to have you here. <laughs> so uh, to help us and our audience become more familiar with who you are, we would like to ask you to share a story that encapsulates who you are and then why you are so passionate about your work with animals. Well, when I was growing up, we always had animals in my house. And I think one of my favorite stories growing up was related to my dad and a cat named Chester that made his way into our life. We actually were, were taking care of it for my sister's friend because they couldn't have cats in their apartment. And up until that point, my dad had always, I don't want to say he didn't hate cats because he was not that kind of a guy, but at best he tolerated them. And I can still picture him, you know, just waving his finger at me going, don't kiss the cat. Cats have germs. (laughs) And so he never really gave the cats in the house all that much attention. And then we got Chester. And what was so interesting about Chester was he would follow my dad up into his den on Friday nights when my dad liked to watch Wall Street Week with Louis Rukeyser. And no one else in the family had any interest in doing that. Mm. (laughs) But Chester uh, would hop up in my father's lap and just purr and just be so engrossed watching Lou Rue with my dad. And one day I walked by and I did a double take and I'm like, look who's kissing the cat. (laughs) Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was like this animal had, had really transformed my father. And I think what I remember about that story and why I remember it so much is because Chester was able to change my father's mind by opening his heart. And that's when I think I really realized, like I knew how important animals were to me personally, But that experience opened me up to animals are a portal to love. They're a way for us to engage with the world in ways that we might not otherwise think about. And that's when I think I I realized just how powerful the connection with animals can be. And so that didn't immediately lead to me, you know, deciding I wanted to work in animal welfare. That actually happened quite serendipitously. 
I actually was a senior executive in Silicon Valley for many years and took a little bit of time off. I thought I'd go back into high tech, but then just through some really interesting connections, I had the opportunity to join the board at Humane Society of Silicon Valley. And next thing you know, they asked me to be president. So that's how I ended up uh, getting into animal welfare. Wow. Yeah, when I was reading your book, Mutual Rescue, you also uh, share the story of how animals were the one that connected you and your mom. And you were so, like, so glad and happy to see the love, that love side of your mom, and then you could connect. That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the I think that's the opening story yes. in the book. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, my very first rescue was we were going as a family to a Christmas tree farm and somebody had dumped um, this cat there and I was totally enamored and wanted to adopt him. And I asked my mom if we could bring the cat home and she said, yes. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. And that was one just incredibly thrilling unto itself. But secondly, it helped me connect with my mom. I, you know, have never really had a very close relationship with my mother, but the one connection we've always had has been animals. Mm. And that is the thing to this day that we connect on that gives us a common ground. And it's also helped me, I think, reframe my relationship with her because even though I was very close to my dad, the gift that my mother gave me was a love of animals. And mm. what a an, uh, truly amazing gift uh, that has been in my life. Wow, beautiful. And, you know, it's one thing that I really love about your story so far is that, you know, it, it's not just, you know, the amazing things that have happened between yourself and animals, but seeing the impact that it has on other people's lives around you and how it enhanced their lives and even opened up more avenues for them. And that seems to be a common theme on what you're still doing, you know, with mutual rescue, you know, setting up these animals with these new families and bettering both of their lives as an outcome of it. How much of an influence was all of these early experiences seeing these impacts on your decision to do what you're doing with mutual rescue? Yeah, I absolutely think that it laid the groundwork for that. And Mutual rescue is all about the fact that when we rescue an animal, more often than not, that animal is rescuing us right back. And there's all kinds of transformation that's happening in the lives of the people that are part of that animal's family. And and with the animal, it definitely is mutual. And making sure that people are aware of that, I think, is really important because we want to elevate the cause of animal welfare so that people know when you're helping animals, you're also helping humans too. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like in the, in the book, the mutual rescue and also the amazing short documentary that mutual rescue is putting for free on YouTube. um, It really tells the story how much animal is helping all the elements of our life. Like Eric and Petey, like if, Eric didn't meet Petey, like he may have died in that five years. And Petey was also obese, so they were they were meeting the goal together. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It was yeah, amazing. Really, yeah, what's really fun about the mutual rescue films is that they're they're centered around a particular human story and a human condition. So Eric and Petey was about um 
someone struggling with obesity and type two diabetes. And Josh and Scout is a story about um, a man who was struggling with PTSD and how a cat saved him from that. We've got other stories that deal with, you know, grief and loss and uh, addiction and, and um, how to cope with cancer. And there's, there's a whole slew. I mean, I think there's also, uh, you know, interesting films that we've done that touch on relationships with people. So going back again to kind of my stories as a child, it's how those animals actually influence the relationships in our lives and can really help strengthen them. And uh, one of our more recent films is called Bhuvana, Abishak and Lollipop. And it's about a cat who saved this young couple's marriage. Yeah. And that's I right. think that's really pretty amazing. Yeah, amazing. And, and so sometimes we're not always completely equipped to, you know, be able to be responsive to the needs of our animals. Do you have any tips out there for anyone that might be struggling to, to have their companion, you know, come back home comfortably? Do you have any advice for yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, um, there are usually uh, resources within the community. So checking with your local shelters is uh, a great place to start. Um, they usually will have reference materials and things that can help you if you're just adopting an animal for the first time, how to ease that animal into your home, do proper introductions with other people, other animals in your home. If um you know, if you've had an animal for a while and there are behavioral issues, you know, first checking with your veterinarian. Um, sometimes there can be underlying medical conditions that can, that can affect behavioral issues and, and things like that. Um, and then, you know, working with a trainer. Um, you know, I had a neighbor here that was struggling with a dog that she adopted recently and she just was a little bit hesitant. And I just really encouraged her. I'm like, you know, reach out to a to good, good trainer, one who works with positive you know, reinforcement, and they were able to solve the problem. And they just, you know, they were able to figure it out. And it's transformed the relationship. And she, you know, she's so excited and, and happy. So there are resources out there, you just have to, you know, be a little bit diligent in terms of, of getting on the phone or, or finding out what's in your local area and talking to other people, other pet owners, mm -hmm. you know, what trainers have you used? What resources like so that you can find things that are local and, and can be most helpful to you? Here, I, I would like to hear you share another story that you can share of an adoption that was particularly successful. Oh, my gosh. There are so many. <laughs> there, are so, there are so many that are out there. Um, I think one I'd, I'd like to share is actually one of the, the um, films. And we actually talk about this story in the book as well. But story about Brian, Kim, and Lana. And it was just an incredibly poignant story because um, Kim and Brian uh, unfortunately lost their baby. And uh, it was just such an emotional and difficult time for them. And what was really interesting about it is that, you know, Kim was able to find support through women's groups. And, you know, there just seemed to be a lot more support for her experience emotionally as a woman. But there wasn't a lot for a man. And Brian was grieving just as much as Kim and having lost his, his daughter and the fact that she, you know, didn't love live. And people were always asking, well, how's Kim doing? You know, and, and they weren't. And so he was just really shutting down. And finally, you know, Kim just said, oh, well, you know, look, there's this adoption event for animals. You know, we should go. 
And, and he kind of dismissed it. And so she didn't think anything more about it. And they got up the next day and he's like, come on, come on, we got to go. And she's like, where are we going? She's like to the adoption event. Come on, you know? <laughs> and so they, they go to the adoption event and Brian just connected with this shepherd mix named Lana. It was just like, you know, there's something about the presence of an animal where you just feel safe. You feel not judged. So they adopted Lana and it gave, you know, what, what Brian will say is that grief is just love with nowhere to go. And that essentially Lana gave him a place to, to put that love and it, it saved their marriage. Wow. Saved their marriage. Yeah. You know, and what's really great, I have to say, is they have gone on. They've since had a baby boy and they named the baby boy Noah. That's one thing that we've actually been thinking about a little bit is how to, and it's one question we've been getting from a lot of people that we meet with and come to our webinars and stuff is, um, how do you help to teach children how to interact with animals? And that, mm-hmm. that seems like a, like an easy thing to talk about, but you know, a lot of kids, you know, it's not, it doesn't come naturally sometimes to know how to interact softly, you know, with an animal. And so that's been one thing that we've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because it is really important. You can't just assume that a child is going to know how to interact with an animal. And in fact, um, you know, a a child needs to be taught to respect an animal's boundary. If an animal is feeling uncomfortable, um, then you can end up with behavioral issues um, that are, you know, it's really not good. And um, so you know, to, to an animal, especially if you've got a young child that doesn't understand that, you know, pulling on a tail doesn't feel good to an animal. Um, you know, the, the animal can get scared. And so you, it really needs to be a, a thoughtful process. Um, you know, that being said, animals are, you know, are children and animals go great together. And, you know, in so many cases, um, you know, animals have a tendency, I think, to, to love the, the innocence and sweetness of children and, and want to play with them and interact with them. And, um, you know, in many cases, will, uh, you know, dogs especially feel like they're a sibling. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's wonderful, but you can't just, you know, throw it all together and think it's going to work out. That's right. There absolutely does need to be supervision and, and respect. Um for, for the animals' boundaries and, and what children are, are able to, um, how they're able to manage the interaction. So I just wanted to ask real quick if Mutual Rescue does any um, matching for new adoptions at all and what it is that you might look for in putting together a new adopter with a new family member. And, um, and if you had any advice on, um, you know, to give someone when looking to possibly adopt a new family member. Yeah, so I should clarify, Mutual Rescue um, does not do adoptions per se. So we're a national initiative that's raising awareness. And what we do is we work with um, various shelters and rescue groups around the country to either tell their stories through our films, um, through developing, collaborating and developing toolkits that then make it easier for organizations to implement uh, various kinds of programs. So I'll answer that question in the context of when I was running Humane Society Silicon Valley um, and how we approached that. And it's all about really making a good match in terms of lifestyle. 
And, you know, if you, you know, I, I remember one dog we adopted out to a family and the dog, you know, had some hip issues and they were just a super active family mm. and the dog, you know, couldn't keep up with how active the family was. And so, you know, they brought the dog back to us and, you know, we ended up adopting the dog to uh, a man that actually also had hip issues. He was a young guy, but he had hip issues and he's always was like on the couch a lot. So like he and his dog were hanging out. So it's really getting good at, at making the match. And so, you know, if you're a, a couch potato, getting a super active dog is, you know, not going to be a good match. Cause I'll tell you, you know, I have a friend who, who has a new puppy and she's taken that dog out for a walk five times a day. So, you know, you, you really have to, you have to think through what your lifestyle choices are and, um, and, and, and look for a good personality match. And then there's just quite honestly, there's this elusive thing I'll call it chemistry. And it's like animals are individuals just like people are. And so not every person likes every person, not every animal likes every animal and not every person and animal are necessarily going to click. And so I do think it's important that you, you spend some time with an animal that you're interested in. And, and I think another thing that's really important is a lot of people will come in looking for a look, you know, like I want this color or mm. an animal that looks like this. And in fact, it's really important to focus on, uh, you know, traits like you know energy level and personality and whether or not that's going to be a good fit and one of the funniest stories i have from when i was running humane society silicon valley was there was this couple that came in and they were looking for a dog because they were really interested in doing a lot of training with the dog and we actually had a it was a really interesting cat his name was i think his name was snowball now it's quite a while ago but snowball was this like big long haired cat. And he was kind of a tough cat. And we were just trying to figure out how to work with him. And one of our behaviorists started using clicker training with him. And he loved clicker training. Like that was the secret with this cat. It would like give him a purpose. And so she was like demonstrating his clicker training stuff. Like he would like twirl and like do high fives and like all this. He was like really like a dog when it came to training. Anyway, this couple walked by and they're like, oh my gosh, like that's our animal. Like, <laughs> so they came in looking for a dog and they went home with Snowball because <laughs> they were like, we want to clicker train the cat. And it was a great match. But you're right. It, it's a better, it's a better predictor, especially for a successful relationship. If you focus a little bit more on actually what are your expectations and what is your yeah. life going to look like with this, exactly. uh, with this new companion that you're bringing home. Yeah, I exactly. Like yeah. So uh, one of the things that I, it's, it's not in the question, uh, but mm. I was curious, like you are raising awareness global. It's not really national, just in the United States. I know right. that Eric and Petey, uh documentary film was, was it translated or it, it like it, it, it was aired, it was available from like in Asia, in Europe, like different it, yeah, countries. Yeah. Eric right? and Petey went all over the place. Right. Uh, many, many of our films um, have gotten a lot of international exposure. Um, we have trans, we did have a lot of them translated. Um, in some cases, people just translated it on their own because they were just so excited about it. Um, the book also has been released in uh, German and in Italian. So it's over in Europe now. So yeah, it really is a, has been an international uh, awareness, right. uh, which is really exciting. Right. And people have responded to it. A lot of people in South America have really responded, especially to the cat films. Josh and Scout was big in Brazil. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting how people responded. Yeah. 
So, how did you bring awareness internationally, and what are the impact that you see? Yeah, so there's basically there's three pillars that we focus on with Mutual Rescue. The first one is awareness through authentic storytelling, mm-hmm. um, and so those are through the films and the books and whatnot, uh, and that makes it possible for. Um, you know, for a conversation to happen within a community, which I think is really important. And we make those films available to organizations that want to have offline events. Um, Obviously, well, with COVID, that's a little bit hard right now. But um, and so various organizations have used them for fundraising and to have their own conversations, you know, within their local community, which is great. Um, The second pillar um, that we focus on is local engagement. And so we create um, our first toolkit that we created was for doggy day out programs. And again, we didn't you know, create that by ourselves. We, we did that in collaboration with several organizations that had those programs. We wanted to pull together, you know, best practices, um, protocols, you know, various forms that might be needed to really help more communities get those programs up and running. Um, if you're a shelter and you're interested in that, you can go to mutualrescue.org and download the toolkit. If you want to go on a doggy day out, um, there's a directory there of organizations that have doggy day out programs. A little hard, right? A lot of organizations have stopped that with COVID, but, um, you know, it'll, it'll ramp back up, uh, which will be fun. And then the third thing is corporate sponsorships, which is, you know, we want to create this national or international voice so that corporations can um, provide sponsorship, but then we actually get that money down to the local level. So, you know, as an example, Humane Society of Silicon Valley could never get a national sponsor on our own because our geographic footprint isn't big enough. Um, But by having a national message, we can attract funds and then get that distributed out to local organizations. So we just had a really lovely $100,000 gift that came from Dutch Bros Coffee, and we were able to do 10, $10,000 grants to animal welfare organizations that were in the footprint of where Dutch Bros Coffees um, has their stores. Wow. So we want to be able to do more of that. Um, because we don't want to compete with organizations that are raising money in their own community. They already know how to do that. They don't need us to raise it in that case. But how do we bring incremental money into the sector by attracting uh, corporate dollars that otherwise wouldn't get to the local level? So that's what we're, we're excited about that. And uh, we're working on a new program called uh, the Pet Pantry Um, It'll be a toolkit as well as a technology platform that will make it easier for organizations to have pet pantry programs in their community. And that helps keep animals and pets together. So all of those things help contribute, I think, to reducing the euthanasia rate and also helping to keep uh, animals with their families in times of crisis. I just really like that, you know, you guys are are serving multiple functions for any given community, actually, um, you know, with this, you know, approach that you're taking. And one of the things that really sticks out to me is the the kind of partnership and like almost like maybe mentorship, you could call it, that's being provided to the other shelters. And so I really love that this that you guys are kind of stepping in and filling in this void where you can help provide programs and more information and more resources to local shelters that might really need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is um, 
you know, there's there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of different needs that need to be met. And one of the things that I felt strongly about with Mutual Rescue is that I wanted our work to be additive and complementary to what was going on and not create, you know, just more competition for the same set of resources. Um, so we really were about how do we how do we make resources more accessible and how can we actually bring in more money into the sector that might not otherwise make it down to the local level. Mm, that's beautiful. And then the program that you um, told us, Doggy Day Out program, that's available in Mutual Rescue website. Right? Yeah, if you go to mutualrescue.org, um, there's a tab there for Doggy Day Out. And as I said, if you're looking to do uh, uh, Doggy Day Out for the afternoon, you can find the directory that lists the shelters. Again, the, the caveat is just with COVID right now, a lot of those That's programs right. are not active. But they will be. They'll, yes. they'll come back. And, uh, and if you're a rescue or shelter group, you can download the toolkit for free. Um, that would be a good time just to, you know, get acclimated with it and figure out how you might want to get something up and running when um, it's safer to, to do that. And as I mentioned, our pet pantry program, we're going to be rolling that out probably this summer or fall. That's so exciting. You, yeah, it is exciting. Um, so if you go to mutualrescue.org, you can see our films. You can learn more about the book. You can learn more about our programs. You can sign up for our newsletter um, and we can keep you informed. Also, check out our Facebook page. That's where you'll find the latest and greatest information mm. most frequently um, on Facebook. So, Carol, right before we leave, I would just like to ask one more question. And you might have already kind of answered it a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and, you know, ask it again anyway. But I was just wondering if there's anything in the shelter world that you would like to see improved or see or continue to see more of. So I think one of the things that's really important in the way that animal welfare sector is evolving is how do we help animals stay in their existing homes? And that I think is just incredibly important. And so from that perspective, we actually need to expand how we think about animal welfare. So there we're also thinking about uh, human services. And so in many cases, you know, poverty it, for humans usually ends up affecting animals as well. And so how do we help animals, you know, stay with the people that they love and, um, and help those people, you know, have, have purpose and meaning in their life through their relationship with their animals. And one of my, you know, most heart wrenching stories from when I was at Humane Society of Silicon Valley was we had a, a family that came in, the mom had been going through cancer and they had all these uh, medical bills that they couldn't pay from her, her cancer treatments. And they had a dog that they absolutely loved and adored. They had a little eight-year-old little girl who loved her dog. But the dog had this massive tumor mm. on its paw and it had gotten really painful and it was hard for the dog to walk. And so they cared about this animal. They, they you know, couldn't afford the surgery and they brought the animal to us thinking they were going to have to surrender the animal. They're all sobbing and crying. And, you know, what we saw was a family that loved their dog. And, you know, fortunately we had a donor that had given us money specifically for situations like this. And so we did the surgery, you know, removed that tumor for the dog and reunited the dog with the family. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that, that we need to be focused on because, you know, that animal had a great home. That family, you know, especially given what they were going through, needed needed that animal to stay in their home, but they just were going through a tough time and they needed some help. So, 
the more I think we evolve as a sector and we focus on how do we think about the integration of human and animal services, things like having emergency boarding available for for you know people that might be in a scenario where they have to go in the hospital for treatment for something, but they don't have anybody that can take care of their pet or, you know, it's too expensive for them to board the animal. Um, you know, at Humane Society of Silicon Valley, we've started, you know, working with human services to, to deal with situation like that, especially related to the homeless. Um, you know, in many cases, they absolutely love their animals, their dog eats before they do. And, uh, but if they have to be hospitalized, what do they do? So, um, the more we look at that, the more we can keep animals together. The fewer animals that are coming into shelters, the more resources can go into saving the animals that are in the shelter. And that's absolutely going to help the euthanasia rate continue to go down. Wow, this is really cool. That is really an amazing, you know, perspective on things and approach that you guys are taking. And, and it is really so related to, you know, our own mission here at Cout. And one story that I could not stop crying when I was reading your book was that the um, those couple that are in physical abuse or mentally abused and they are animal and then the, the person who is doing the ab- abusive act are using animal to keep their relationship. So the other parts that are getting the abuse needs to stay with this person to so that the animal, that she can kind of help the animal. And then I think in the book, I don't remember the, the name of the program, but there is actually a program that you can get help uh, with going to more healthier lifestyle, but also getting, you know, helping your dog. So you can go with the dog to the program or something like that. But they are that very variable that are, the animal is the one that's being targeted and being suffered and, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think the thing that's really upsetting is, I mean, there's now research that shows that, that violence with humans, a lot of, uh, a lot of like violent criminals will actually start with animals right. uh, mm-hmm. and they build up their confidence by being abusive to animals. And then they go on to be abusive to humans. Um, and so, yeah, the thing that it can happen in domestic abuse situations is that, um, uh, the abuser might be abusing the person and the person doesn't want to leave the situation because they don't want to leave the animal That's behind right. or they might be targeting the animal as a way to affect the person. And so the key thing is is to get help. Um, and what is, is happening more and more is that there are programs. You can look for uh, programs. Um, a lot of shelters offer programs where they will they will take the animal in and keep the animal safe while you get yourself in your own safe situation so that then you can be reunited with your animal later. Um, so I mentioned in, in the book, there's some resources in the back where you can look for resources that can help you with that. But um, one of the things that that's a great example of really understanding the integration of human and animal services and how important it is to understand that connection between human and animals. And I believe, I think I read this maybe about a year ago in New York somewhere, New York state, a woman's shelter opened up and it was specifically designed for women to be able to come and bring their pets with them because they understand this dynamic of, you know, the connection and that a lot of times women will, will stay in an abusive situation because they don't want to leave the pet. And they don't know what else to do. 
I just wanted to point out, you know, um, I, I really love, and, and this was the same thing too that that Morgan Katz brought up in our in our last episode. This this really the the main goal really being to keep animals where they're at to make sure yes, that exactly. we're providing services and providing the things that people need to be able to stay together with their companions. And we didn't get to talk about it on this level though. So I, I really love that you brought it back to this, to this socioeconomic, you know, it, it's really bigger connected than just, you know, the linear relationship between the person and their animal. There's also other things that are, you know, influencing and promoting that being able to happen or not. And, and so I really love that you're considering this and you're thinking about it and, and that these um, options and these things are available inside your book and on your website for people to get this kind of help. Yeah, it's, it's super important. And as I said, you know, one of the things that I think will happen in the sector in the coming years is that we will just see more integration of human and animal services because we're, we're, we're all part of a, of a community and there, there is a very rich and vibrant factor um, that goes into creating community that involves both people and animals. You know, one thing I do want to say real quick is um, it, it really is beautiful how your history and the things that you experienced and the love and relationships that you formed and even saw other people form with animals around you has so directly influenced your work in this really, really passionate and really thoughtful and, and just wonderful way. And I, I can't speak highly enough to, you know, the amazing work that you guys are doing across the world, you know, to help yeah. out animals and the families that, that come into contact with them. So you know, thank you so much, you know, for coming to our show today. And, and I will be in touch again soon because you have brought up so many topics. I feel like we've just touched the top of the iceberg here. <laughs> yeah, There's very, so much I would yeah, like to talk to you about. Very introduction of Mutual Rescue and Carol Novella. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, you know, if we could convince you to come back on soon, we would definitely love to have you. And, and um, you know, just once again, thank you so much thank for all you. of your work and for coming here today. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. And thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And, and Herbie says thank hey, you, Herbie. too. Hi, Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> this marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed listening to our interview with Carol Novello. To follow up of her work and Mutual Rescue, make sure to visit their website, mutualrescue.org. We will put this link in our description below. If interested in viewing the presentation from our webinar this weekend, please visit our website where you can purchase the videos on demand. While at our website, make sure to keep an eye out for our information on 2nd Annual Calc Conference coming this July from the 14th to the 18th. The registration will open at the end of April. If you enjoy our podcast, please visit our patreon.com forward slash C-A-A-W-T where you can become a member and help ensure we can continue bringing you the content you love. At our Patreon page, you can also find exclusive member benefits like bonus episode and free tickets to webinars and our exclusive On the Shoulders of, on the shoulders of Giant series that is coming up soon. Lastly, we are opening registration for an online group class dedicated to constructional affection 
that we provide basic and advanced classes for. In this group class, we will teach you how to use constructional fiction, how to build constructional programs tailored to your situation, and we will provide feedback as you implement your programs. Through this class, you will not only gain experience from designing your own programs, but you will also learn from the other participants' programs as we problem-solve everyone's challenges together. This class is not only for those of you who want to participate with their dogs. If you don't wish to be an active participant, you can join us as an observer. This is an intensive four-week class, which includes weekly group class where we share new information and assign weekly goals and a weekly open house session. The open house is a time where we sit aside where participants can join any time during the one hour and show their training video for us to give feedback or ask any questions. So we will open our next round of basic group classes for our English-speaking audience in May. We will make an announcement about this very soon in our website and Constructional Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Facebook page. If you are already interested in joining our group class, please send us an email so we will get you registered before the class fail. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. Feel free to get more information or reach out to us on our website, caut.com, C-A-A-W-T.com, or our Facebook page, Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training, or email us at C-A-A-W-T-Contact at gmail.com. Thank you so much today. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions.